0: Fourth of July is upcoming. You're going to have a holiday, no doubt. I hope that that's restful for you. It was coincidence that the passage from Galatians begins with, for freedom Christ has set us free. So I've been thinking about this issue of freedom All of our difficult political and societal problems involve our struggle with the meaning and limits of freedom. Consider, you know, abortion, affirmative action, taxation, gun control, deregulation, environmental concerns, civil rights broadly defined, the rights of LGBTQ people, in all of these public issues, we grapple with the bounds of freedom within our democracy. In Western culture, the Judeo-Christian traditions have greatly informed the philosophical underpinnings of political freedom. Our religious heritage affirms the innate dignity of every individual, as you hear repeatedly within these walls. Each person is a beloved child of the Creator, graced with uniqueness, worthy of encouragement, worthy even of love. In their innate givenness, no one is less worthy than another. Now we can pretend or behave otherwise, and we generally do, but send your saliva to be examined for the source of your spiritual DNA, and you'll learn you are directly related to everyone sitting around you today. Now we hear an echo of this sensibility in the words Thomas Jefferson penned in our Declaration of Independence. By the way, that's a good thing to read on the 4th of July in the quiet solitude of your own home. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, of course, we know that in Jefferson's day, all men pertained only to white male property owners, which was a distinct minority population at the time. Jefferson himself, a slaveholder. Still, the political intent was planted there nevertheless, spilling forward in a cascade of awakening insight about the breathtaking scope of such an audacious claim. Our Constitution and resulting body of law were meant to mediate the conflicts that arise as citizens attempted to exercise their prerogatives of freedom. The evolving understanding of all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with unalienable rights, led finally to the abolition of slavery and women's suffrage and their right to vote, holding equal standing in the eyes of government and employers, and today the rights and inherent dignity of LGBTQ persons. Later today, Christ Church participates in the Pride Parade as a testament to our belief that differences of gender and sexual identity do not mitigate our fundamental identity as children of God, worthy of full political standing. But now, political freedom is only one of many sorts of freedoms we value. There are variations on a theme here. For instance, as popular culture has it, freedom can also be described as the ability to act without restraint. In this sense, we are free from things and exist within a world without many rules in which we are accountable to no one but ourselves. As many have pointed out, that sounds a lot like the period of time we call adolescence. Adolescence is that borderland time between carefree childhood and responsible adulthood, often an experimental time, a breakout time, a time for doing what we please when we please, a time for challenging rules and proscriptions. As I wrote in My Faith Matters this week, Reminded you of what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Popular cliche, and the idea is you are free to do pretty much whatever you want in Las Vegas. Of course, the truth is, honestly, you're pretty much free to do whatever you want anywhere, even here in New York City or anywhere else in which you live. But as you well know from experience, once it sinks in that we really are free from most every restraint, we have the problem of choosing what we will then do. And every time we exercise a choice for the time being, we eliminate all other possibilities. So the question really becomes less about what we are free from, and more about what we are free for. As you know from experience, this becomes often a very difficult set of decisions. Consider the talented young person choosing a life path who, regardless of initial circumstance, has arrived at a point where life appears to be a smorgasbord of options. Lawyer, singer, doctor, banker, actor, teacher, and so on. And then a choice is made. In choosing to become a teacher, say, is she suddenly less free? Now, if she's alert, she will discover that freedom has led her to a place of choice. Without the choosing, freedom actually would have very little meaning. And if she's psychologically robust, she'll know that no choice is ever the last. In fact, if she remains a teacher and wishes to achieve a level of excellence at her craft, she will need to rechoose teaching continually. The choosing is never finished. Or consider committed relationship. When we reach the so-called age of consent, We are free from officially sanctioned restraints concerning when, where, and with whom we'll have sex. If we choose a permanent partner, then, do we become less free? Popular culture suggests that is most definitely the case, and that's part of the backdrop to the Las Vegas riff, isn't it? And there is a sense in which that's true. But the fully alert adult understands that only by freely choosing the path of commitment and fidelity in all manner of relationships. I mean, think of it, marriage, not only marriage, but parenting and citizenship and employee and employer and neighbor and friendship and so on. Only by freely choosing the path of commitment and fidelity in all manner of relationships can mature human capacities evolve and blossom. Much the way a tree can only grow by putting down roots someplace. This means the tree is going to be in this place and not that place. And to that extent, no longer free. But were the tree to wander forever looking for some mystically perfect location or revel in never landing anywhere it would never grow into its true nature and the deeper it sinks an anchoring root system the stronger more vital tree it becomes the only way to become good at anything is to choose something which releases we could say frees up our innate potential, and every single day then provides a refreshed opportunity to choose well. Well, as you heard, Paul wrote to his friends in Galatia, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery, Did you notice the quote on the cover of your program today? I chose it because of this line from Paul by Frederick Douglass, who says he is a free man, even though he was still technically a slave. The context for Paul's proclamation concerned the blending of Gentiles and Jews together into a single family and deciding which rules and laws would guide their lives together. But this led Paul to point to the overarching principle guiding the church and community and state the ultimate point of human freedom, namely to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's what he wrote, right? For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's what the Christian church, at its best, claims as the true focus of a faithful life. We are made free in Christ to love. That's Christian ethical teaching stripped down to the nubs. That is the point of freedom. We are made free to love. If in our freedom we then choose to love, we will grow into what God intended in the first place, much like that healthy tree with its roots planted deeply in rich soil. You know, friends, from one vantage point, this Christian thing is is really remarkably simple. Now we make it very complicated. But one of the reasons we make it complicated is to avoid its simplicity. Because in its simplicity, it's shockingly demanding of us. I mean, breathtakingly demanding of us if we're really going to love well. So we mess it up a little bit. And we say, well, not really over here, or over here. Or here. You know, We let ourselves off the hook for loving all of the time. Now, I don't deny there are a whole lot of confusing matters that we have to contend with, matters of grave consequence in our lives. But if we wanted a short, easy-to-remember summary of organizing principle for the living of our days, for focusing our lives, for directing our energies, for employing our human freedom, Paul states it, as clearly as it possibly can be right here today. Christ sets us free that we might love our neighbors as ourselves. If someone were to ask you why you were a Christian, or what was the point of all the religious mumbo jumbo, or why you wasted a great Sunday morning going to church, here is part of the answer Christ, you could say, sets me free to love. That's what I celebrate. That's what I'm learning and practicing. In my freedom, that's what I've chosen as my principal focus. Everything else in some way or another serves that end. Everything else. Now, I'll grant you that not every Christian or Christian church embodies this. Some churches would even seem to turn freedom's gift into its opposite. Yet one more way of condemning our neighbor, excluding our neighbor, or as Paul said it in his text, biting, devouring, and consuming our neighbor. But then, if we are confident in our freedom, we are free to admit that the church, though the bearer of this remarkable message, is nevertheless a fragile human thing, just like you and me that exhibits much of the weaknesses that are otherwise everywhere within our culture. In fact, in confessing this to one another, we help one another sink our roots ever deeper into freedom's soil. On uh, Father's Day, Laura Bush, former first lady, who happens to be member of University Park United Methodist Church in Dallas, Texas, wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post. I'm mentioning this here at the end to sort of loop it all back up together, because we might well ask ourselves, Well, what does loving our neighbor actually entail? What am I supposed to be doing? What is it about? Who am I actually in this? What's its relationship to this political freedom we've been discussing? Here's the op-ed she wrote. Our government should not be in the business of warehousing children in converted box stores or making plans to place them in tent cities in the... Desert outside of El Paso. These images are eerily reminiscent of internment camps for U.S. citizens and non citizens of Japanese descent during World War II, now considered to have been one of the most shameful episodes in U.S. history. We also know that this treatment inflicts trauma. Americans pride ourselves on being a moral nation, on being a nation that sends humanitarian relief to places devastated by natural disasters or famine or war. We pride ourselves on believing that people should be seen for the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Every single one of these things she has thus far mentioned flows directly out of what it means to love our neighbor as ourselves. Every single thing. Every single thing. We pride ourselves on acceptance. If we are truly that country, then it is our obligation to reunite these detained children with their parents and to stop separating parents and children in the first place. Now, I don't want to get down, bogged down in the minutiae of the current events. But I do want to elevate the idea that you have a responsibility, all of us, we have a responsibility, if we take seriously Paul's admonition that the highest law is to love our neighbor as ourselves, that there is a direct correlation to how we will conduct our affairs living in this world. And we cannot excuse ourselves from the obligation that is attached to that. And you know, friends, we're in this together. And we also, as I've indicated, need to indicate that the church has always, not always been, you know, up to snuff on this. The church has sometimes gone over and joined the enemy, as a matter of fact. We need to confess that, and by confessing it, we are indeed able to sink our roots ever deeper into the rich soil from which we will grow into the people God intends. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing, it's a gospel of grace and of hope and restoration and love. For freedom Christ has set us free. What shall we do with that freedom?